Hello, and welcome to Contour Podcasts. I'm Joshua Craker, the Chief Product Officer. And I'm Carl Wegner, the CEO of Contour. So thanks for joining us today. And we're going to be talking about the digitization of trade finance, which has been gaining momentum all over the world. But as it's gaining momentum, one area is notably lacking, which is globally accepted standards and regulations, which some say is going to be a key limiting factor to digitization at scale. To discuss more, we have a special guest joining us. Please welcome Alyssa DiCaprio, Head of Trade and Supply Chain at R3. Hi, Alyssa. Hey, guys. I'm excited to be here. All right. Well, you know, let's kick this off. I think there's a lot that we have to offer to this conversation. Um, First of all, we all know that, you know, blockchain by itself is not going to digitize trade, that the industry sort of needs to digitize itself. Are standards required for digitization? I think they are not necessary, but they certainly are helpful. Um, I mean, you can you can digitize anything today, and and that's kind of you know what I what I talk about with blockchain all the time. I mean, blockchain does some cool stuff, and you can build it to do some really interesting things. Um, you can deploy that right now. Um, what it limits is scale. So unless there are standards, it, it it will make scale more difficult, but it certainly won't stop it. Carl, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 not. I mean, it, it's a enabler, right? Of 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 communication, blockchains enabler of communications. But um, you know, as standards go, I mean, you know, it's you have to build something on blockchain to talk about, you know, standards, and and uh, you have to have something to communicate with before you decide how you communicate. So um, you know, are standards necessary? Yes, there. I mean, and and some of them are there already. Right. But I mean, it, it's you don't have to to you have to get something going first and have something to talk about before you decide, you know, how you talk. Well, one of, you know, the, the, the way that that I uh, an analogy I might add to this is if you look at container shipping. Right. Um, which is something, you know, we, we talk about all the time. Um, you had container shipping before there were any kind of standards for the sizes of the containers. And that worked. It just didn't work globally. Um, but then once you had standards, it took off, right? So it really set it on fire and and moved it across the globe. And now, and it's it's changed the entire industry. So I think I think that's really where we are right now, which is where we're trying it out. We're doing some cool stuff. We're breaking things, and the industry is getting to the point where we kind of know that in order for this um, to to really get all the players involved, standards are probably necessary. But standards take a long time. Right. This is not something that's going to be formed tomorrow. Like it's going to take three to five years to do standards. And I think that's the challenge is do you wait and, you know, wait for the standards to come out first uh, or do you innovate first? And and so I think that's where we are right now. I think that's a really great point in terms of what comes first and how do we get started? And and I think that's something that, you know, obviously uh, we've been working at a contour, which is how do we solve today's problems today and then take the industry with us on a journey? So. I, I really think that standards are not going to be created, um, you know, sort of in a room by committee. They're going to be created by the industry moving something forward, and then they get formalized uh, sort of by the committee so that it can scale. So what do you see happening in the industry today? Sort of where are we in this journey? Um, and what do you think people need to do to keep moving it forward? You know, should we have more governing bodies on standards or should we get more people using digital platforms that can gain momentum? 
Uh, I think where the industry is today, everybody's pretty excited about it. And you do have these different standards bodies that are kind of bubbling up all over the place uh, and doing some really innovative, interesting things. But also what we're finding is it's, it's, not, it's not very quick. Like, have you ever sat in one of those committees? I'm sure both of you have. It is torture, right? I mean, you spend just an hour talking about, you know, how, how you, what, what you call a part and everybody calls it something different. And everybody tracks it a little bit differently, and nobody wants to actually convene in the middle. Um, so it's it just it's it's so hard. But but you see it everywhere. I mean, you see it with uh, with uh, DCSA in in the maritime shipping uh, area. You see it with Moby in the automotive sector. I mean, you really are seeing it globally and everywhere. Um, but we're we're not really seeing results just yet. And I think that's where people start to get frustrated. But I think it's it, it, it's really heartening that the all of these industries are getting together and acknowledging that this is the way that we work together now. It's very different from before where you were really competing against each other. Now we, we recognize that if you want to use blockchain and you want to do it right, you need to collaborate in a way that you're not used to. And, and so that's where we are today. No, I, I agree. It's, it's true. The, the collaboration aspect is, is uh, a lot more important and people understand that and are thinking with that mindset, which makes a big difference. I remember it was like, I think it was 2005, there was the APEC, APEC paperless trading initiative. And I remember being on those committees and they were going to go paperless in, in APEC for all trade in, in two years. And then it didn't succeed in another two years. And then it sort of went away. But I mean, it, back then it was, you know, APIs weren't as, as common and stuff. And the thing was, everyone said, well, my custom certificate says, you know, uh, uh, location, buyer, address, and the other one, you know, and another country said, well, mine's buyer address location or wh whatever it is. And they said, well, I'm not going to change my order. And the 14 countries wouldn't even change the orders of their, you know, it, of course, the data can all be, you know, with APIs can all be linked and, 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 and mapped now. But no one would, would agree to a change of the order of their custom certificate. And then it sort of stopped there. Right. And, and again, that whole committee, no one would give in first. I'm not going to give in to so-and-so. Um, um, but I think the collaboration aspect absolutely is, is, uh, is, is there. And I think blockchain sort of brings that out in people. Blockchain is a team sport. You can't do it by yourself. Right. So I think that's sort of initiated the, uh, the, the idea of, of collaboration and, 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 and how to, how to work together. Yeah, no, I think that that's a, that's a really good point around collaboration because, you know, just as you were mentioning, Alyssa, all these different industries that are looking at digitization, Maybe we should look at this in a little bit more detail. So if we're looking at digitizing uh, trade, I don't even know if trade is an industry. It's sort of wider than that because it <laughs> it sort of incorporates many industries. You know, what Contour is doing is trade finance. And, and trade finance standards are really governed mostly by things like the ICC uh, with different sort of trade finance protocols, things like SWIFT. Uh, and, and to a growing degree, maybe you look at the ISO sort of 222. But these are really fields to do with sort of messaging between banks, uh, communication between corporates and banks. But it doesn't really cover the much wider world of trade, which is shipping documents and invoices and certificates of origin, et cetera. So when you think about standards, there's all these different things. And that's just looking at the fields. Then you look at standards in terms of technical standards. And is everyone going to adopt technical standards that are the same? So Maybe we should do some grading to see, you know, wh where we are in terms of all these all these things and sort of what we need to do. So, 
maybe let's start with trade finance first. So maybe I'll, Carl, I'll get you to answer this one. In terms of trade finance standards, do you think the standards we have today is sort of good enough for us to you know, move forward and expand on these platforms? Or do we need a new digital standard for trade finance uh, to sort of emerge? That's a good question. I think in, in trade finance, it's it's pretty good, right? I think that, I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, the banks all communicate. You have, you know, the the uh, UCP and, and uh, I mean, again, there's, there's talk about some some new products being put out there that, that are going to be used in trade finance and stuff. And, and again, you have to get those standards and accepted and, and understood and the education process for everyone. But I mean, right now, in terms of the banks communicating, and I think the other component of it is the legal framework, right? So the legal framework is there for finance in, in most countries. Now, accounting can be different in every country and how it's, how it's booked. But uh, the, you know, the, the legal and, and uh, framework is there for, for trade finance. So I think it's, it's, it's pretty, it, it works. It works. Yeah. It's communication to the other silos, right? Like you said, like shipping, like customs. Right. Um, you know, they're very different silos. And, and I remember, you know, talking to people and saying, oh, we digitize trade from from end to end the whole gamut. I'm like, that's fantastic. What do you do? Well, we manage, you know, container booking. Well, for that world, that's all of trade. Fine. I mean, that's all of trade is containers. Right. For that person in that world. But trade is a lot of different uh, ecosystems. And it, it, okay. Yeah. No. I think I, th I think I'd agree. Right. If the trade finance place already has sort of most of these these standards in place, it really is then looking at the sort of the wider areas. Right. All of the documents that support trade and trade finance, you know, for those to digitize, you know, standards would definitely be of value. And when you look at them, there's you know a number of different buckets. Right. You have sort of commercial documents, which is probably easier. You know, invoices, packing lists, things like that. Um, then you have sort of the physical supply chain, uh, things around bills of lading, shipping, and then you have sort of the government infrastructure, you know, uh, government certificates and things like that. So, you know, Alyssa, I'd love to hear from your perspective and working with these different groups, you know, what is happening in those different areas and, you know, what can we expect to see in the next, you know, year or two years about, you know, standards in these areas and how it's progressing? That's a, it's a pretty interesting question because I think there's a couple of different areas where we need to think about standards. The, the first is where we already have standards like IncoTerms or, uh, you know, EUCP um, and thinking about, are they sufficient for the things that we're trying to do with trade and trade finance on blockchain? Um, in some cases they're okay, but like IncoTerms could use some updates, right? Um, even even though it was just updated, but it was updated without understanding that you know blockchain was was the next thing. So I think that's one category is is where we have standards and and what's happening. So like the ICC, you know, initially uh, was doing an update to to the URBPO, but then you know nobody is there's not a lot of uptake of of BPO, um, is one way to put it. And and so that that committee is sort of changed to instead look at um, rules for digital trade. Um, and, you know, what does that mean? And, and what would those be? Um, so I think this gets into kind of the uh, moves into the second category, which is rules about things that we don't really understand yet. Um, so Josh, to your point, you were kind of talking about like rules for technology, like blockchain standards. Um, 
what what do those look like? Um, and and that's where it gets a little bit more murky because we don't know what we're making standards about. Are, are you trying to regulate, uh, you know, just a document? Are you trying to regulate the process? Um, are you trying to re re regulate the, the participants that are involved in it and what data they can see? Is it security? So I think those two things are very different. And the industry is, the, the different industries of, uh, involved in trade are, are moving at very different speeds on those two things. Yeah, so maybe we should we should jump into that for a second, which is um, when people talk about sort of standards, they, the next thing they usually talk about is interoperability which is there's not going to be any one standard. So we need to make all of these standards interoperable, which again, probably means different things to different people. So, you know, uh, Alyssa coming from R3, uh, people will say, okay, Corda is a blockchain standard. You know, it has uh, a certain way of working. It, it, it has some, some structure to it, of course, you know, as does, you know, enterprise Ethereum or Hyperledger Fabric. Do you think it's worthwhile to try to work across those different technology platforms for interoperability? Or is that taking us further away from our goal of digitizing trade? Uh, ultimately, yes. Uh, today, no. Uh, there's First of all, there's plenty of companies uh, that are sort of building bridges in, in the way that we've traditionally done between different platforms. Um, so I, I think there is an industry there. Um, but in, in terms of whether the platforms themselves should be working on this, I, 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 I disagree a little bit um, because I don't see the demand for it quite yet. I mean, look, blockchain is at such an early stage right now that, you know, where we've started to pilot and, and where we're really moving, we're, I mean, we're changing everything. Even, even if you're only replicating a process that we already, a process flow that we already understand, you're still changing fundamentally once you get to deployment, how security is done, how the IT structure is done, what the architecture is. Um, so I think the, the need for interoperability is important. You're going to, if you want to have innovation at an industry level, you do ultimately need to have interoperability, but do we need it today? I think that's the wrong focus. Yeah, no, I've been thinking about what you said around you know, the, the order of things, right? In terms of you need to get some degree of momentum and use then you can scale with standards and then you can scale even further with interoperable standards. Is that sort of a good way of looking at it? Yeah, I, I think that's correct um, because standards are, are really the, the sort of neutral part that allow this. Um, and then interoperability is, is really what, what allows it to explode, right? It, just to, to, to go everywhere. Um, so, I mean, if you think about like the history of credit cards, right? I mean, if you remember when, when credit, well, nobody, okay. I think nobody in this call remembers, but when, when credit cards first came out. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, when first credit cards first came out in the 50s, right? Um, there was a separate uh, there was a separate terminal that you had to use at each point of sale. Um, the credit cards were only for one store um, or restaurant or, or, or something like that. Um, and then ultimately, you know, once you've kind of had a standard way to do this, which is like you called the credit card company and made sure that there was money on the account and they called your bank, um, then there were there were still separate point of sale terminals. And then ultimately, there was just one terminal. And then today we kind of have, you know, uh, NFC and, and all these different technologies. So it, it almost feels like it doesn't matter which credit card you're using. Um, though we do still have that legacy a little bit where sometimes stores will charge you a little bit more if you're using a certain type of credit card. Um, but we've really moved from, you know, where there was no infrastructure at all to where today it's completely seamless. And I think this is the transition we're trying to make with blockchain. Yeah, and I, I think it's, uh, if you look at 
international trade and and uh, you know what's happening as well as it's also getting more complicated at the same time, right? Even just on the on the finance piece, right? I mean, before you ship something and maybe there was a custom certificate, right? Now you have you know for banking you have KYC you have sanctions you have all these other um, filters that you have to manage that also don't have exact international standards yet as well that ha- are, are being pulled into every transaction. Um, and uh, so again, it's, it's we're, we're trying to standardize and, 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 and digitize something that the, uh, the, the, the pool of data is also getting bigger, right? So it's an interesting, now maybe this is an opportunity for this new stuff to be digitized at the very beginning, right? Rather than them go into the, uh, the, the old way Maybe it's an opportunity to, to get those, uh, you know, started up the right way, um, but uh, but it's getting more complicated as well. Yeah, I think that that credit card example is a really good one, and uh, you know, I, I think it's really easy to spend a lot of time and effort on standards and interoperability, and I'm really grateful that there are people in the industry looking at it. But I think, you know, getting back uh, to where we are today, you know, credit cards started by I believe it was I forget what it was Discover. I think they mailed out bunch of credit cards to certain post offices where, or certain postal codes where, where they determined the risk to be acceptable. And they just preloaded them with $500 limits. And they said, just go and start taking them to your store and saying, do you accept this? I have $500 limit on it. And the store is like, what is that? And then, you know, that led them to look into it. And then it sort of started to drop, um, you know, you know, bring in, you know, more merchants, which brings in more people who want to use it. And then the cycle sort of goes on. And I feel like that's sort of what's happening right now in in trade finance, where you know you have certain industries which are really being leaders in sort of digitization and adoption of digital platforms, whether it be let's say metals and mining or you know the energy sector, or petrochemicals, and they're saying, "I want to use this," and they're bringing it to their banks and they're saying, "I want you to adopt this," and the banks are saying, "What is it?" And then they're starting to learn about it, starting to adopt it, and then saying, "Well, if I'm going to use it, I might as well use it with other clients and other industries." And we're starting to do that. And I guess what everyone's fear is, is that if everyone does that and everyone does it all over the world, we could end up with you know, too many platforms that are disconnected and all using digital their own standards and it's going to be a mess. But you know, is that fear warranted? Or should we sort of allow that sort of open innovation to occur? And then as they sort of solidify, we can then work on standards between them. Would, would that be a good approach? Allow the chaos. Yeah, I think that's that's the market, right? Um, you, you can't really standardize or organize folks until there's enough stuff out there to organize, right? I mean, and, until you have enough information that's digitized, then you can sort of, you know, create the standards. If you create the standards first and wait for everyone to do it, right? Well, that that's difficult, right? It's it, there's there's got to be enough um, uh, volume out there of one system or another to start figuring out how to communicate between them. Like Alyssa was saying, right. There's people that have built the bridges there. Um, you know, let's, let's make sure we have some success in rollout of digitization first before you try to organize it. So, yeah, I think it's, a uh, it waiting doesn't make sense right? Waiting for the perfect standard. I was thinking about the, the credit card thing. You know, I, uh, I knew someone who had, was early days in credit cards. And again, if you ever notice that credit cards all have 16 digits, 
right? That was the standard that they came up with. That was the first thing they came up with. Let's all have 16 digits in a credit card, right? And because, well, let's just decide that. Um, that was one of the early standards they came up with. Now, did, did that help with everything else in terms of point of sale terminals and all that? No, it didn't. Um, that was a lot, you know, there was that process that went through. So I guess some standards, right? Um, but uh, you, know, you have to, you had to have enough scale of American Express and Discover and Visa and MasterCard before they decided that, okay, we're going to work together. And I think they, again, those guys were all, they didn't, I mean, so in some ways, some of them are early collaborators, right? So an example of collaboration, but some, you know, had their own systems for a long time, for 20, 30 years, right? Before you can have one electronic terminal that can take everything. And now NFC is probably, again, like the NFC is the first time that they all have a, that's one standard they're all using now. It's taken 30, 40 years. Yeah. So I guess it takes time, but you got to sort of keep moving, you know, during the, during, during that process, keep adding, adding users and, and growing that network. Um, Alyssa, what do you think, you know, do we need to wait for standards? Do we need to adopt a few standards, you know, like Carl was saying the 16 digits, uh, and then sort of maybe that's, that's enough, then let's try to get some scale and then we can work on taking it to the next level. I, you know, I feel like when I when I have this conversation, um, interoperability always comes up um, in in the initial blockchain conversations. Like, oh, is it interoperable with these things? Um, I I think it's it's incredibly important for blockchain to be interoperable with existing systems um, because you know when when you're doing blockchain, you're not it, it's not happening in a vacuum. You're not replacing your entire back office system with blockchain. You're replacing a small piece of it, or you're adding to a piece of it. So, so I think there it becomes incredibly important. Can it interoperate with your ERP system? That matters. Um, can it? Can you know uh, Corda interoperate with Ethereum? That matters much less. I, I think that part of the argument is really uh, it, it's almost an excuse um, you, where you have uh, banks and corporates that that really want to try blockchain, that want to digitize, that want to get involved in digital transformation. They're already involved in it. You can do that today. You can do it internally. You can do it with the existing apps that are out there. You don't need to wait. And if you wait, that leads to this one problem where you need experience before you can contribute to the standards discussion. And if you have no experience, then you're not going to be in that discussion. So it's it's almost a catch-22 if, if you're waiting for standards before you try deploying these new technologies. Yeah, no, I think that, that's a really good point. Um, I, I think when we look at interoperability at this stage of, say, Contour, we really look at it from the participant lens. So when we talk to a bank, or when we talk to a corporate, you know, we say, you know, by connecting to Contour, it's going to be your portal to the outside world. So you can connect with your trading partners and, and with your trade finance banks. But then you need to think about what other networks you need to be a part of, as well as what systems you have internally and how they connect. Uh, you know, and that's why we've chosen to use some of the standards that are, that are used today, whether it be a simple, you know, SWIFT MT standard for, for our data, so it makes it easier for a bank to integrate, uh, or, or using sort of standard nomenclature for documents to make it easier for uh, a corporate. But it really is interoperability at that participant level. So if you're a bank, think about how your back office systems interoperate with Contour and maybe even an electronic bill of lading platform uh, or even a, a third or fourth. And then if you're a corporate, it's your ERP, 
it's, it's your trading platforms, it's your trade finance networks, and maybe your shipping networks. Now, the more those sort of consolidate, the better. The more they're interoperable, even better. But you have to start with at least that. You know, and I think you're right with the experience. You know, the more you sort of get into this and get into the details of it and away from sort of the theoreticals, I think the more it'll become clear exactly what we can do now and where we need a standard and where we're stuck. Talking about the legacy systems is a really good point, right? I mean, if you talk about any any new system, again, any new blockchain system integrating with the old legacy systems, it's not just one system. It's a lot of systems. Right. And people say, I want integration. Well, fantastic. Have you thought about this? Right. So should we integrate with your system that's 20 years old, 30 years old that you're thinking about changing in the next 18 months? Or do we integrate, wait for the new system to come in? Right. And I think this is also, you know, standards, integration, it, it, it all goes to, you know, it, it's not a, a fixed point in time that everyone does it at the same time either. Right. It's going to be a process. So you have to, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a discussion about, and there's a lot more systems being put in place, but, and, and some are new, some are old. Um, and, uh, and everyone's going through that iteration process. So just because of new technology doesn't mean you're, it's time to, to do a full integration, right? Maybe it's uh, components of it. Maybe it's certain areas. And, uh, you know, that's, that's also part of the, you know, building that standards because you're going to be looking at how these new systems and old systems work. Okay, so I, I'm going to be generous and I'm going to give you each, you know, one wish. So uh, if, if you could have one standard that would just exist today, um, that would allow us to move forward from where we are now, not, not sort of a future standard, but one standard that you think would really help us to move from where we are now uh, forward in this journey what do you think that one standard could be uh, in, in terms of focusing on it? And if, and if you have to answer two, then I'll allow it. Carl, what do you think? I, I would say from, again, two, two ecosystems, um, shipping and finance, having a standard for electronic bill of lading. Right? I love it. Um, that, would, that would also, the standard not just being the digital piece, that's the easy piece. It's the legal standard, right? Um, that everyone can accept. This is, I, I, I can, I can use this electronic BL to transfer the ownership, you know, through through the process, through the workflow, right? Because they're all different. Um, it's the components are all the same. We know exactly what we're trying to do, but that would connect two of the ecosystem. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think that I am going to go with identity because I think that's one thing that you need to have in every application. You need to be able to identify who's using it, uh, who's part of the transaction. Uh, and there's ways to do it today. I mean, there's ways to do it without blockchain, um, but those ways are generally pretty clunky. Um, so, you know, you have a national business identifier. Uh, the US has a bunch of them. Uh, some countries have, you know, one or two, some countries have lots. Um, it, it's, it's never clear if that's actually the right entity that you're dealing with. Um, so, so I think really the, the work that's happening around LEI, um, and, and some other identity standards, I, I think that's, that, that for me would, would really be sort of like the, the, the best standard to have. Okay. Your grant, your wishes are granted. I think those are both, uh, very, very good things to work on. And, you know, there is some exciting work happening. 
you know, if we look at electronic bills of lading, uh, you know, what electronic bill of lading, for those of you listening who, who may not be aware, it really allows um, when a shipper ships something uh, for the title of those goods to pass from the shipper through the banks, if, if the banks are financing the transaction uh, to the buyer electronically without paper flowing. Today, the most common way uh, of that title transfer happening is still with paper documents, uh, which can slow down the entire process. It can lead to you know, goods arriving before the paper arrives, which leads to the goods being stuck at port. Uh, and it's a very sort of an inefficient process. And you know, there have been electronic bills of lading around for sort of 20 years. Um, none of them have actually got that much use. And I think one of the issues that they're having, and maybe this points to your point earlier, Alyssa, about you needing a standard to scale beyond a certain level, is that they, they've gotten a certain amount of adoption, but they're struggling to get to that next level. Uh, and there's a bunch of new entrants in the space uh, who are trying to look at it in a different way from a different sort of business model. And we'll sort of see how they go. But you know, I think for them to really, truly scale, I do think we're going to need to have a standard, which means uh, that regardless of you know what user interface you want to use or what shipping carrier you want to use, you should have access to an electronic bill of lading, and that shouldn't require you to sign up to six different agreements. Uh, so I think I think that that's a very sort of noble cause. And you know, interestingly enough, I was talking with the uh, the ICC about this yesterday, and they're they're on it. So uh, we have some interesting meetings coming up, and and hopefully that le- that bears some fruit. In terms of identity, uh, Alyssa, I'd like to to dive more into that. Um, you know, what is the take up of, of LEIs, and and what do you think the barrier is uh, for for the sort of legal uh, legal entity identifier to be used more is it is it the cost um or is it people just don't know about it is it information you know because i think an lei costs about a hundred dollars a year just to have an identity which maybe isn't a lot to a large company but to a smaller company uh they may not understand why that's important you know it's the the question about uptake of things like lei is um really interesting i'm going to answer your question but i'm going to go in kind of a different direction because we 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 did have this um conversation actually about eucp um and the question was who's actually using eucp and the answer was no idea um and so i think this speaks to the importance of being able to measure the 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 spread and the uptake of of standards that we're creating um, so that that's the kind of the branch off of this discussion. But 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 to your point, um, I I think with LEI, um, it's it's spreading pretty quickly in the blockchain space because it solves like a pretty direct problem um, that you face when you have a distributed system, um, which is that you're trying to identify, especially in trade. Uh, counterparties that are everywhere and without having to verify that like, okay, where is this business number from? Right, Bangladesh. Okay, so I have to go to that registry, check that it's okay. Where's this one from? Right, France. Okay, so I have to go over there. Um, So so LEI is is a very neat solution to that. Um, In terms of the price, I know there's been a bunch of studies about this. Yeah, I I think it's about $90 uh, per year. Um, There was a study by the ADB that showed that that was not uh, a barrier because what ended up happening is where LEI was required, for example, if a bank was requiring this, the banks were paying for it. Um, so often you had a, a, a single party demanding it, but also paying for it, um, which, which meant that that was much less of a, a barrier than, than it sounds like, especially initially. Okay, well, I think it's really fascinating. You know, In Contour today, we do uh, use uh, the LEI as an alias for all of our, our corporate members. 
Uh, but we don't mandate it right now. Maybe that's a change we can make, Carl. What do you think? Should we mandate LEI, sponsor it for everyone? Maybe we should have a discussion with the, the Global LEI Foundation. But, uh, you know, I do think that would help, right? Because right now, you know, you're getting a incorporation document or something. Um, you know, it's quite difficult in a lot of countries to, to sort of validate these things. And LEI can be quite useful. So, yeah, I, I do hope to see that that's going to take up. And I, I am hearing about it more, uh, which, which is a good sign. And I think that'll definitely help. Uh, to help the the identity around this, so so we can say yes, we we could we could mandate it, could help with it, but which standard do we use and which system do we connect to, right? <laughs> LEI. I think I think we can choose the LEI for a corporate identity. I think that that one seems to be. I haven't heard of a a, a competitor to it yet, uh, but th- this is again where it helps to have sort of you know a leading organization to do this, right? If there were four different ones out there, uh, you know the. The, the 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 easy way out would be to wait, and I think we're seeing that now with digital digital trade platforms to bring it back, is that maybe there's too much, uh, and maybe people are saying uh, let's just wait, let's just see until they're all interoperable. But you know, I think you know to your point earlier, Alyssa, if they do that, they're going to miss out on a lot of experience, and you know they might miss out on a whole lot more. Okay, well, I think we have a plan now to go and, and create interoperability for, for EVLs and identities, which is which is really good. What about banks? Do banks need to have an identity or is like their Swift BIC and things like that enough? Have you looked into that at all, Alyssa, or no? Uh, it, it, different different applications do it differently. So so different business networks are doing it differently. Um, for the most part, it's it's fine to have the existing banking identifiers, um, but certainly it's, it's helpful to have the LEI um, because not all banks use Swift. Uh, and I think that's that's an important piece of this, right? I mean, especially if you're uh, you're you're talking about an inclusive gl- growth, right? I mean, you you really want to make sure that these applications aren't just for global trade banks. You want to make sure that these applications are for everyone. And if you want to make sure that they're for everyone, that includes the community banks, that includes the regional banks. Um, those are where you know you might want to uh, explore alternatives um, that that go beyond what we might see in the UK or the US or the EU. No, that's, that's really that goes, good. That goes to correspondent banks too, right? That whole business, right? Um, that, you know, you have the small banks have to use a, a bigger bank as an intermediary, right? To communicate to the outside world, right? Which also slows things down a little bit. Um, it's a whole business in itself, right? But yeah, if, if they could go direct, that would be huge, right? It would save one step. Yeah, no, I think we're going to start to see more and more of that as these networks start to scale and, and connect all these dots together. Okay, so I, I think that's a really good sort of way forward on, on sort of standards. Um, interoperability, again, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be a kind genie. Uh, if you could make any two systems uh, interoperable, uh, what would you want to make interoperable? Uh, you can take that question anywhere you want. It could be two technical standards, uh, two legal standards. Uh, or even two business networks, if you really wanted to go that way. What do you think we need to, uh, what, do, what do we need to make interoperable to move us from today to tomorrow? What would help us push this along? Alyssa, yeah. you go first. I, my, my argument for, for interoperability is, is not at the blockchain level. It's, it's at the very basic level that we were talking about before, which is interoperability with your existing back office system. You know, you're you're using you know SAP, Oracle. That's that's what I want to be interoperable natively. I mean, you know, you can build a bridge. Fine, it's incredibly expensive. And is everybody willing to take that expense? 
not everybody can. So, so I think that's, that's really where, where I would focus. That would be amazing. Seamless, seamless interoperability. All right. So uh, from, from trade finance platforms into ERPs or from anywhere into ERPs? Uh, yeah, from trade finance platforms into ERPs. Okay, great. I hope that wasn't your answer, Carl. No, that was my answer. I'm still thinking. But uh, no, I, I think the, the, one of the things we need to work on is, is legal interoperability, right? It's not a technical thing, right? Is that, uh, you know, legal and accounting standards are different in, 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 in every country, right? How do we get some sort of standards on, on the legal framework, whether it's trade finance, you know, basically has it there, but it's some of the other, it's, it's cross ecosystems, right? What, what's the, what's the, the, the legal standard between, you know, between customs and, and, uh, you know, and, and finance or, or, you know, the carriers and, and, and finance. So I think some of the, you know, legal interoperability, right. It's not technical, right. But, yeah. but this is something that's, that's huge as well. And again, building, you know, build, building contour and, and, uh, you look at the, the, the challenges of building an ecosystem, the technology is sort of the easy part. It's the legal framework, right. That everyone can use in a group. That's, that's, that's a big cost as well. Right. And then how do we get the same rule books, for multiple systems or you know multiple ecosystems it's a broad one yeah, that's gonna be interesting i think in the beginning of blockchain they used to say conferences was the killer app of blockchain because uh, that was the only people that were making money off of it uh and i i think in the last couple of years it's it's definitely been legal agreements has been the killer app of blockchain as all of these different platforms that are that are going have spent you know untold uh, amounts of money uh, creating their own legal agreements, whether it be an EBL platform or a, a trade finance platform or a shipping platform. Uh, and if they all have specific rules around data transfer, data residency, things like that, it does create an issue. So, okay, legal interoperability. Maybe that's where we can have more collaboration. Next time we need to create a legal agreement, we'll, we'll get together with a couple of other uh, ecosystems and, and maybe work together to, to share costs and uh, to create interoperability. I think that's a good idea. Uh, but to listen to your point as well, to ERPs, uh, I'd, I'd love this because, you know, right now it is very expensive and there isn't a lot of interoperability or connection, I would say, between ERP platforms and trade finance systems uh, because it usually depends on what trade finance system and it depends on what ERP. So maybe that's something we can work on. But I, I guess my question to that is, who's, whose job is that? You know, who is going to build... That, that connector? Is that the ERPs are going to work together and do it? Is it the trade finance platforms or is it some kind of system integrator? Who can we, who can we task with that? Well, we've certainly, I mean, it, today we've seen different models, right? Um, we've certainly seen third parties uh, building that. We've seen the business networks building it. Um, in some cases, we've seen the ERP systems trying to build it themselves. But yeah, it, when the ERP system builds it themselves, it's because a client demanded it. And I think that's the challenge with blockchain is we're not there yet where a client is saying we have enough volume going through here that we are going to demand this. Um, it's it's just not there yet. Um, so I think all of those models are are correct. Uh, and it's so it's it's kind of it depends where the demand is coming from. So it's it's pretty hard to to figure out who would be tasked with that. But it's it's an expensive question. So. You know, I, I think whoever gets gets pinned with it will not be super happy, but um, presumably it will make them a lot of money. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that there's definitely a business model out there for somebody who's listening, who wants to, to go on that venture. So, so Godspeed to you. Um, this is maybe just, you know, wrapping up in the last couple of minutes, uh, Alyssa, I, I know you're involved in a lot of different, uh, sort of working groups out there, uh, at industry levels. Can you give us a little insight into, uh, sort of what's happening out there, uh, to our listeners in terms of, you know, what are things that are really close to maybe emerging, uh, maybe new standards coming out or, or anything like that, that you maybe want to share? Um, well, I guess the the two uh, kind of biggest things happening right now, um, one would be uh, on the mobility side, which is the automotive OEMs um, with Mobi, where they initially released their vehicle identity standard. Um, and right now, the supply chain working group is working on a supply chain uh, standardized process. Um, they've chosen to focus uh, on ESG. Um, because that is, you know, tracking parts is fine and important. And you can do a lot of really interesting things with that, like supply chain financing. Um, and, and ESG is really a big one. And it's one that affects consumers. It affects producers. Uh, it affects buyers and suppliers. So, so that's pretty exciting. They're, they're in the middle of that right now. Um, and I think the other one is really around the Digital Standards Initiative. Um, which is, if you remember back, you know, when we had the, the UTN, that was the ICC took it over, uh, called it the Digital Standards Initiative. So since September, they've had a managing director um, and he has been just, you know, really all out trying to, to make this work. He's divided the work plan into three forums um, and he's been consulting all over the world um, with with the different trade stakeholders, which is, I mean, as you guys know, an incredibly difficult job because it's not just one entity or one type of entity. Uh, in you know, it's everyone all over. Um, and I think you know the other thing that he's he's been working on is really mapping um, what standards bodies are out there and what they're doing. I mean, and this gets to you know your initial questions like what is going on. Like some of the standards are blockchain, some of them are around, you know, very specific elements of a sector, some of them are sort of more broad around applications, uh, and business networks. So so he's really, really been working on that. No, I think it's great. And you know, we're working closely with with the, the DSI as well. Uh, and I think they have a really important role in terms of bringing all these things together. Uh, so it's, it's great to see that, that that's emerging. And, and we do wish that, um, it helps bring some of these different ecosystems together. And I think the ICC can do a, uh, a lot of work in this area, and that would be very helpful. Um, Carl, how about you? Um, in, in terms of some of the discussions you've been having around the world, you have anything you want to share about what, what's sort of emerging in, in the sort of platform space or standards or interoperability that you can want to share? Well, I think it's, it's really we're, we're beginning to get, you know, as we we're talking to more customers, the customers are beginning to ask, you know, not only on the technical side, but they're also asking on the sort of the commercial or, you know, uh, legal side, you know, how do you guys work together with this platform, right? And it's not competing platforms, it's, it's, it's cooperating platforms. So EBL or, or um, you know, a um, order management platform, right? They're beginning to say, this is good. You guys are connected technically. What's the next level, right? Commercially, boy, I got to sign up with you and him and him and him and her, right? There's a lot of legal agreements, right? Could I get one price for everything, right? They, they would like that, that one-stop shop. 
Now, it's not going to happen right away, but I think there could be some, again, some some uh, interesting, you know, sort of commercial and legal discussion. Do I? Why do I have to sign six legal agreements, right, for the six providers that I need? Now, maybe some of those providers could be merged into each other. Okay, that's fine, right? Maybe some can 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 work together, or you know, there can be consolidation in the industry. But some are specifically different, right? But mm-hmm. You know, on on the on the pricing and the legal, you know, they're going through this. You know, I want to be all digital. There's a lot of stuff out there, right? How can you make it easier for me? And and that's the beginning. But it's it's a great question because they want to go digital, right? And the, but this is the customer nexus, right? This is from you know, if the customer is first, they're asking, how do you make it easier for me? And uh, I think there's going to have to be more collaboration between partners where, you know, we have that discussion on how do we make a commercial decision to work together, right? And and, and that's going to be an interesting sort of angle that I don't think has really been, it's just beginning to be pursued in sort of the, the blockchain space. I think some other industries has happened a little bit before, but yeah, that's going to be, a, I think it's, it's going to be interesting because this is what the customers want. Right. And so we got to figure out how to make it happen. Yeah, I think it's a thing that's really important. And, you know, it goes back to your earlier point about legal interoperability. Um, You know, it is it's one of the biggest costs in terms of, you know, time and resources and and actual cost is is this process of of onboarding. Right. If you have to onboard to five or six different platforms to make all of your trade digital, um, you know, that, that that's a large barrier to entry, I would say. So the lower we can get that barrier, I think, the better. So. Uh, I look forward to hearing more about uh, any potential partnerships and people are listening and they want to talk about how we can make this easier. I think we're, uh, you know, sort of a willing participant in that. And maybe, again, this is something that the Digital Standards Initiatives can look into in terms of the, these sort of legal interoperabilities. Um, okay, well, I think that's great. I think that's all the time we have for this episode. So I just want to thank you, Alyssa, for your great insights and for speaking with us today. Uh, again, that was Alyssa DiCaprio, the head of trade and supply chain at R3. And of course, our very own CEO, uh, Carl Wagner. We will be rolling out more podcasts in the coming weeks. So please check our website for the latest episodes. Uh, the URL is contour.network. Or of course, you can always subscribe with us at Apple or Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. If there are any topics you want us to cover, please email your suggestions to contact at contour.network. Thank you very much for listening in. Until next time, I'm Joshua Craker, signing off.